All right, now that I have your attention, I'd like to draw your attention to God's word. Matthew chapter six this morning. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to continue our our series on prayer. I'm really pumped. I'm excited about this series on prayer. I hope you are too. Um, Our prayer meetings are, are, there's a new energy, there's a new expectation. Uh, Please come out to one of our corporate prayer meetings. We have one, we have three of them every day, um, 6 a.m., noon, 6.30 p.m. And on Wednesday nights, we have our largest corporate prayer meeting. We have ministry for kids and for youth as well. Please come out Wednesday night and join us as we encounter God in a very powerful way. So this series on prayer began with why pray. Then we moved to prayer habits last week. Talked about habits we should make and habits we should break. And today we're talking about how to pray. We're going right into what Jesus told us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Oftentimes it's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but it's probably more accurately the disciples' prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer, or when the Lord prayed, you'll find that in John chapter 17. But whether you call it the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you learn how to pray. And so let's take a look at it together. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. And uh, let's let's read this together. Uh, this then is how you should pray. Everybody now. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, what's interesting about this prayer, and many of you probably could have said that from memory, right? What's interesting about this is that this is not a necessarily a prayer to pray, but how to have a conversation with God. You can pray that prayer from memory. But what's most important, what Jesus is trying to convey to us is how to have a conversation with God. And the conversation begins focusing on who God is and not who we are. The conversation begins focused on God and his kingdom glory and his kingdom priority. Our father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's focused on God to begin with. The conversation with God starts about him. It's not about God. This is what's going on in my life or God. I've been thinking about this. It always begins focusing on who God is. And then it moves to man and his need. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. But it always begins on God. And what's so amazing about this is, is Jesus could have taught us to pray. um, Oh, sovereign Lord in heaven. Or God or Jesus could have taught us to pray our consuming fire, which is in heaven. How many of you know God's a consuming fire? Or the great judge of all the earth who is in heaven. Master who is in heaven. Jesus could have taught us to pray so many different ways. But rather than choose those names or those titles for God, what Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Our father in heaven. Our father. And that's where he begins. Now, to you and I, that may be like, I knew that. 
But I want you to put yourself back almost 2,000 years into the, the seat of these disciples. They're hearing for the first time in their life that they can call God Father. Huge paradigm shift. All they have is the Old Testament scriptures. All they have is the Old Covenant. And and they're thinking God Almighty and God Judge of all the earth. They're thinking in those terms. And Jesus says, I don't want you to pray to God in terms of him being your judge or your master. I want you to pray to him in terms of him being your father. That's, That's a big change. Huge. Story is told of a Roman emperor... He went to battle and after his great victory, he entered back into Rome with this great triumphal entry and and he was making his way through the streets of Rome. And as he did, this little girl was trying to push her way through the crowd and somebody said to her, you don't belong here. The emperor is here. You don't belong here. And she said, he may be your emperor, but he's my father. Let me through. And in fact, that's what Jesus was kind of telling the disciples that day. God may be your emperor. God may be your king, but I want you to know something. When you go to him in prayer, you approach him as your father. Changes everything. Changes everything. In the Old Testament, God was this distant God that only a few select people could approach God's presence. The temple had three parts to it. It had the outer courts. It had the holy place and then it had the holy of holies and and uh, only only one person could enter the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest, and only once a year, right? There was this separation, there was this distance from God. He was, he was far removed from the people. He was the emperor. And Jesus blew away that paradigm with the new covenant in his blood, and he said, now you can enter that Holy of Holy place with divine confidence and with boldness, and you can ask the emperor for mercy and grace in time of need. Why? Because he's not just your emperor. He's not just your king. He's your father. He's your father. This is a different deal. In the Gospels alone, Jesus calls God, the father over 70 times in the Gospels in Matthew, chapter six, we're looking at this morning. Jesus calls him father 12 times. And the Apostle Paul, he begins to explain what this this relationship that we have with with God when we become born again. And he uses father terms and son terms. And I want you to look at it with me this morning at a number of verses quickly. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul said this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again, a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. They're used to this master-slave relationship. Paul says, when you become born again, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to fear. You're now a son. There's this father-son relationship. And there's something inside of you that cries out father now that used to cry master. Now, God is still master. But when we relate to him in prayer, the first place we begin, the filter in which we see God is through this lens of father. We love the song, I am no longer a slave to fear. 
We sang it last week. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. But we remember the day, and you remember the day, when that was not always the case. And John Piper remembers that day, and he writes, I was not a son of God, and God was not my father. He was my judge and my executioner. Whoa, big terms. He he writes, I was a son of disobedience. I was dead in trespasses and sin. Ephesians 2, 3. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And then he writes, and the sentence of my judge, uh, and the sentence of my judge was clear and terrifying. John Piper writes, there was only one hope for me, that the infinite wisdom of God might make a way for the love of God to satisfy the wrath of God, that I might become a son of God. How many of you remember that day when you were not a son of God, right? You were a child of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. You see, not all people have God as their father. You and I know this. But everyone has a spiritual father. For some, God the father is their father. For others, the devil is their father. John chapter 8, verse 44. This is what Jesus said to the unbelieving Jews. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. How many of you remember that day when your father was the devil? How many of you want to go back to that day? But you remember that day well, and you desired what, 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 the, de- what the father your devil wanted. Now here, what happens when we become born again? Guess what? Our desire changes, and now we want what our new father wants. God wants all of us to become sons and daughters. In fact, that is our destiny, our predestiny, if you will. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. How? Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure. I love that word. Did you know God has pleasure? He has something he wants more than anything in this world. And that's you and I to become sons and daughters of God. That's incredible. He predestined. It was it was his pleasure to adopt us as his sons and daughters. How do we become children of God? John chapter one, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, meaning Jesus. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You may be here this morning and you realize God is not your father. The devil is your father this morning. How can I become a son or a daughter of God? You have to receive Jesus. You have to believe in Jesus, that he is the only way to God. And when you believe that, you have a way to God because you are now a son or a daughter of God. You have been adopted into his family. And by the way, back then, the the Greeks and the Romans, they had they they adopt adoption was common. And the understanding was when you are adopted into a family, now the rights and the privileges of the natural son is also, are also rights and privileges of the adopted son. If you're born again here this morning, you are spiritually adopted. You now are a son or a daughter of God. And I think that's pretty good news and it's pretty quiet in here. Shake your neighbor awake this morning. I think what happens when it gets real cold, we go into this... A survival mode. 
we conserve energy. We just keep it there because you never know, you know. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, watch this, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. Focus in on that. The spirit who calls out, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God living inside of you does something. The spirit living in you cries out. When you become born again, when you become adopted into God's family, you get a new cry. You cry out to a new father, Abba. Abba is the Aramaic word for father. And it's this it's this expression of deep emotion. Deep emotion. When you don't know what to say and you don't know what to cry, Jesus hanging on the cross, his last words it was this inarticulate cry that came from within him. And the, and the cry was, Father, Abba, Papa. In many parts of the world, they still refer to, to, to God in that way. And rightly so, because that's who he is. See, something happens when we become children of God. There's this new cry within us. Some people call God, different things. But what Jesus wanted us to understand that when we pray, when we call on him, we are to call him father. Call him father. Relate to him as father. A.W. Tozer said one of my favorite quotes, what comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes to your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart or thinks in his heart, so is he. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Do you think of God in terms of master or do you think of God in terms of father? Right. Jesus said, I want you to think of God in terms of father. If you think of God in terms of master, then you're slave. Everything is, well, he's the master. I'm the slave. We better just. But God wants us to think in terms of him as being our father and us as being sons and daughters. Let me describe the difference to you here. Slaves, when you think of God as master and you're slave, slaves are motivated by fear. They're motivated by fear. If I don't pray, my master will beat me. Right? Sons are motivated differently. They're motivated by love. If I don't pray, my father will miss me. Right? Different motivation. Sons or slaves, rather, are accepted on the basis of what they can do for God. Sons, they are accepted based on what God has already done for them. Slaves must work for everything they have. They work for everything they have. Sons receive. They receive what they have. They receive an inheritance. Slaves are good workers. Sons are really good receivers. 
I know that my uh, my paradigm, my understanding, my grasp of sonship with God is is broken. When I always feel like I have to work and earn something. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, the law of sowing and reaping. I like that scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it's true. But slaves emphasize that law more than this thing called favor and grace and gifts. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We like slaves like scriptures like you don't work, you don't eat. That's a slave. Yeah, it's true, right? But sons, they start thinking and they start processing processing scriptures like, uh, but we're children of God and, and God lavishes his love on us. Oh, that lavish word. I'd rather talk about work and earning. And you understand what I'm talking about? What's your paradigm? How do you how do you view God? What comes to your mind? I call them father filters. Everyone has a, a father filter. Everyone views God through a certain set of lenses or filters. And, and oftentimes we, we, we compare God, our Heavenly Father, to our earthly fathers. How many of you know that's just natural? That's what happens. And as a father, an earthly father, I feel the weight of that. I know my kids are they're, they're, they're trying to understand God and they do it a lot of times through understanding me. Stories told of a father who he takes his son out into the forest for this kind of rites of passage experience. He takes him into the forest. He blindfolds his son and he leaves him there all alone. His son is required to sit on a stump the entire night and not remove the blindfold until the the rays of the sunlight are, are, are penetrating. He can't cry out to anybody. He can't tell any other, other, other of the other boys about his experience because they too must come into this manhood on their own. And once he survives the night without taking off the blindfold all by himself, then he becomes a man. Well, I don't know about you, but if that was me uh, as a boy, I'd be terrified uh, I didn't like the dark, and, and I used to go out in the woods, 13 years of age, by myself at night in the dark, and it terrified me. But I had to do it because I, I wanted to be the man, right? And so, so this boy, he is naturally terrified. He can hear all kinds of noises. Uh, surely there's all kinds of uh, wild beasts out there that could, that could harm him, and maybe even some... Some people that might play games with him or even try to harm him. But he sat there never removing the blindfold all night long because it would be the only way that he could become a man. Finally, the dawn breaks. The, the sun comes up and the sun begins to hit his blindfold. And he knows he made it through the night. And he pulls off the blindfold and he looks next to them. And there sitting on the stump next to him is his father who had been there all night long. He'd been there all the while, protecting his son from any harm that might come. What is your father filter? Do you see a father who is sitting next to you? On the stump all night long, never leave you, never forsake you. Or is your father filter of one of a of a God who abandons you? Maybe abuses you. What is your father filter? About 12 years ago, I think it was about 12 years ago, Carrie and I decided we were going to run our first marathon. 
and we're going to do it together. Now, that ended up being my first and last marathon. Uh, But for her, it was her first of like nine marathons. And hats off to you. Amazing. Wow. Um, I, I, uh, you know, you are now a woman. You know, I don't know what. But she's amazing. So she, she just keeps going. Okay. Well, anyway, so we're training for this, this race, our first marathon, and we decided we were going to run the Des Moines marathon because we heard it was pretty flat. <laughs> then we ran it and realized it wasn't really flat, but we said, we're going to run that marathon. So, um, my friend who lives in Des Moines found out that we were going to run this marathon in Des Moines. His name is Jim Hobson. He's the executive director of ultimate journey and he lives in Des Moines and the ultimate journey headquarters is in Des Moines. And he said, Walt, you're running a marathon. Wow. He goes, I've run a few myself. And he gave me some some pointers on how to run marathons and how to train and drink lots of water and all of this and that. And and so and and then he said these these magic words, Walt, I want to come and watch you run. And something happened on the inside of me, like it, it awakened this desire or this unmet need in my life for my father to always be there. Jim was my spiritual father in some ways. He had, he had nurtured me and helped me grow and, and deal with stuff in my heart, right? He was, he was this healer and my God used him. So he became like this spiritual father. So when he said, I'd love to be there and watch you run, something happened inside of me, this desire for my father to watch me run, for my father to be there, for my father to say, you've got what it takes. All of that was going on in my heart, and, and I'm not even sure I knew what was going on. So we're training, we're training, and we're training, and the day comes for the big race. Thousands of people, I think there were about 4,000 that day. It was, a, it was good. Anyway, so we're, we're standing there, boom, the gun goes off, and here we go. And I am looking for who? I'm looking for Jim. Jim said he was going to be there. And I'm looking and I'm waiting to hear the words, Walt, you can do it. So as I'm running, I'm looking, I'm looking for Jim. I don't see Jim. Mile marker number one, no Jim. Mile marker number two, no Jim. Mile marker number three, no Jim. And I'm running and I'm thinking, he's got to be in this crowd coming up around the corner. And I know when I run by, even if I can't see him, I'm going to hear his voice. I was just so looking forward to 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 this spiritual father of mine watching me run and being there with me. I can't explain it. I don't know how I was so looking forward to it. It meant so much to me. And my dad's going to be there. My spiritual father is going to see me run. And mile after mile passes. and, And after each mile is growing, so is my disappointment because I begin to realize Jim's not going to show up. And once again, I'm going to be all alone, all by myself. Nobody there to cheer me on. Something I've always wanted. I thought it was going to happen. And he wasn't there. And at that moment, I heard this voice. And it wasn't this voice coming from the crowd. It was this voice coming from within me. And it was a different father's voice. It was God. And he said, I am your father. I am watching you right now. I am right here. I am with you. 
this was heaven on earth. And in these moments where I'm longing for that father-son kind of happening at this big race, first marathon kind of a thing, and, and God said, I am your father. Let me tell you, every single one of us, we need to have that kind of revelation of who God is in that way. And when God spoke to my heart and he said, I am your father, something inside of me, the spirit of the living God cried out, Abba, cried out, Father. There was this this connection that took place in that moment. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. When you pray, pray like this, our father. And here's what happens when that happens. When you have that moment, that revelation that God is your father and he's a good, good father. When you have that moment, it changes. Pastor Jason talked about stewarding those moments with God, stewarding those special times, those moments. When that happens, it changes everything. It's a game changer. You pray different. You live different. It changes everything. You're no longer praying to a master, to a slave driver, to somebody that that you can never please. Pastor Raphael was telling the story about his son earlier this week who he he said, Dad, Dad, I got to tell you about my time of prayer. And he said, well, tell me what happened. He said, well, I prayed and I said, God, how are you? And God answered back. What did he say? He said, I'm fine. How are you? (laughs) That kind of relationship. See, the first thing that God wants to change in prayer is your relationship. First thing that he wants right is how you view God, how you see him. You see him as father, not master. Let's keep moving. How many of you could use a fresh revelation of Father, right? Nod your head. Just, I know you're just trying to conserve energy. You don't want to lift your hand. Just nod your head. <laughs> you know? Sometimes we have these, these unmet needs and desires. We don't even know. We're looking and we're searching. And I want God, my prayer is that you would have a revelation that God is sitting on the stump next to you in your midnight hour. As soon as Jesus says, pray to your father, he says this. He says, by the way, he's in heaven. Wait a minute, I thought he was sitting on the stump. He is, but he's in heaven. So he's kind of messing with us here. You pray to your father in heaven, but he's right here too. So he brings God down to this earthly thing we can relate to called Father. And then he like ascends him right back up to heaven. And he says, by the way, he's in heaven. See, the first thing God changes when you pray is he changes your relationship. The second thing he changes when you pray is your perspective. He changes your perspective. He wants you to have the perspective that your father has, which is a heavenly perspective. The Bible describes three types of heaven. There is the the first heaven, which is earth's atmosphere. 
There's a second heaven, which is the spirit realm where the spiritual battles are won and lost. And then there's this third heaven called the abode of heaven. Uh, this is where, where God is. Okay. The first heaven is, is Earth's atmosphere, which is big, but it's not as big as the abode of God. But listen to me for a moment. How big this first heaven, this Earth's atmosphere is. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. Okay, imagine with me so you can understand the size of this. Imagine the Milky Way galaxy being the size of North America. Pretend that's the Milky Way galaxy. The solar system that we live in, sun, moon, stars, that we live in, solar system, would fit inside of a coffee cup. That's, that's our solar system inside the Milky Way Galilee, ga- galaxy. Galilee. I'm trying to conserve energy too. Now, How many galaxies are there? The Milky Way is just one of them. Scientists have lost track of how many galaxies. It could be in the billions. It's absolutely mind-blowing. First heaven. Second heaven. We get a window of that into the Bible. Third heaven. We get a little window of that. Ezekiel had a vision of heaven. Isaiah had a vision of heaven. John had a vision of heaven. And they tried their best to describe what it looked like, but it was beyond words that you could describe. And and here Jesus is saying, don't forget. First of all, you need to know he's your father, but don't forget he's in heaven. He's big. He's transcendent. And yet he's personal all at the same time. First thing God wants to change is our relationship. The second thing he wants us to change is, is our perspective. When we fail to recognize that we have a father, which art in heaven, we begin praying about me, which art in earth. Right. And we begin to think of ways in which God can serve us rather than ways we can serve him. So we begin with this perspective. Very, very powerful. Prayer is seeing reality from God's point of view. Job had many questions for God, many why questions. God didn't give him an answer, but he gave him his point of view. Job 38, verse 4. It's not going to be on the screen. Listen close. Where were you, God asked Job, when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Then he goes on and he says, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked to the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? God's asking these questions of Job. Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. What's he doing with Job? He's saying, Job, I am your father, but I am your father, which art in heaven. God has a perspective that we don't always have. And when we pray, God, we can say, God, give us your perspective as much as possible. And sometimes God can can give us more of his perspective and other times we just trust God. At the end of Job's probing and questions, in so many words, Job finally said this. He goes, God, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't know what I was talking about. This is where prayer begins. 
with a change in relationship, if you will, a change in parent, Father God, and a change in perspective. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means simply holy. Holy holy is this unique otherness of God. There are, there are things that we cannot liken God to because God is like no one else. He is like nothing else. We can't say, well, God is like this and God is like that. We can try that, but God has this unique otherness. And the Bible describes that unique otherness as holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, my song shall rise to thee. We sang the hymn, holy, 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 merciful. That's the father side and mighty. That's the heaven side. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. This is how we begin in prayer. We begin with our father, which art in heaven. Holy is your name. The Bible is filled with names of God. The Hebrews knew and talked oftentimes of the 16 different names of God in the Hebrew Old Testament. And each name reflected a different aspect of God's character. And we know that God's name, it's not just a cool name. It really means something. It's God's name is what he is, what he does. So when we say Jehovah Jireh, we're saying, God, you are provider. When we say Jehovah Tzidkenu, we're saying Righteousness. Some of you learned a good Hebrew word there. Okay. El Shaddai, Almighty, Adonai, Lord, Shama, the God who is near, Nisei, the, the God who is banner, his banner over us, his love. Jehovah Shalom, the God our peace. So when God says, listen, when you're going to pray, Jesus said this. Approach God as your father. Who has a heavenly perspective. And whose name is above all other names. A name that's above all other names. To hold in honor the name that's above every other name reminds us that it's not about us. It's not about us. And from the beginning, the time when we begin to pray, we're not praying man-centered prayers. We're praying God-centered prayers, right? Because we're beginning with the right relationship and with the right perspective. I'm going to invite our worship team to come this morning. And I'm going to invite you this morning to respond. I know you're trying to conserve energy and I appreciate that. But I'm going to ask you to respond to what God is saying to you today. Some of you, you're here today. And God is not your father. The devil is your father. You may have never thought of, you may have never thought of that in, in those terms. And you say, well, that's pretty strong. It, it is strong. But it's, it's what Jesus told, it's what Jesus told the Jews who did not believe. It's what Jesus told the Jews who would not receive Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. So this morning you have the opportunity to move from having the devil, Satan himself, as your father to God, creator of universe, as your father. How do you receive him as father? You believe. You believe. 
that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe that He died on the cross for your sins. You believe that on the third day He rose again from the dead. You believe that He's coming again. You believe that you're a sinner. You believe that you need a Savior and His name is Jesus. And you turn from your sin and you say, you know what, I'm not going to live for this father, the devil anymore. I'm not going to desire what he... I'm going to live for God. And you say, I receive you, Jesus, as my father. I receive you, God, as my father by faith. And you can have that this morning. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. If that's you today and you need God to become your father... I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand right where you're at. If you're, you know what? God is not my father, but I, I'm ready. I'm ready to be ad- adopted today as one of his sons or one of his daughters. Raise your hand nice and high. Anybody? Anybody in the house that needs to be right with God in this way? God bless you over here. A couple hands. Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? We're going to have a little adoption prayer here. <laughs> They're getting the adoption papers ready in heaven right now for two people. Anybody else? Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. If you raise your hand, you're one of those two people. I want you to know right where you're seated... God's going to do a miracle in your heart right now, right where you're seated. And I want you to tell him, say, God, I want to become your daughter. I want to become your son. Just say that to him right now. I believe you came to save me. And I'm asking you to save me from my sin right now. I'm asking you, God, to adopt me right now. I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of all my sin right here, right now. I'm asking you to be my father. pledge my allegiance to you. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to live for you and live from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know the invitation that Jesus gave? You know what his altar calls look like? words. Follow me. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Follow me. If you raise your hand this morning, being a Christian means following Jesus. It's following his word. It's following his commands. It's it's following his, whatever he says is now my new marching order is follow me. If you raise your hand, you prayed today that prayer, I want you to stop and see me after class. (laughs) 
See me after class. See me after the service. And uh, let me know. And let me know that you became a child of God today. Can we put our hands together for what God's done? All right, up on your feet, please, everybody, on your feet today. I want to pray for you, those of you who want that revelation of Father, Father revelation. Raise your hand nice and high. I want to pray for you, a new, fresh Father revelation. A new father revelation. I don't want to be a revelation of master. I need a father revelation today. God, I thank you for those with their hands lifted up. God, I pray they would have those divine moments with you. God, where you reveal yourself as father and say, I am your father. I am watching. I am right here. Lord, we pray for that revelation of you sitting on the stump. Even if we can't see you, God. Even that, even if we can't see you, God. God, we know that you're there. We know that you're there. God, fresh revelation of Father in Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray for a fresh revelation of holy, holy, holy. Holy is your name. God, reveal the, the, the holiness of our Father, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. Let me just read a quick to you. Philip Yancey said this, The only thing more difficult than having a relationship with an invisible God is having no such relationship. I thank God that he is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He is the Father who is there. I thank God that He is He is Emmanuel, God with us. In the Old Testament, He was distant. In the New Testament, He got even closer. Jesus in the flesh. And then when Jesus left the earth, He got even closer. And He said, My Spirit's going to dwell within you. And it's going to be even closer when Jesus returns and we can see him face to face and we live with him forever in his eternal kingdom. I love that. Can we put our hands together for God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite our prayer workers to come. If you need prayer this morning, we are here to pray for you. And let me remind you that this Wednesday night is our, 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 our big corporate prayer service. We'd love for you to come and join us. We also have prayer uh, three times a day. God bless you. I pray for a fresh revelation of our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. God bless you. Have a great week.